0: She's alive! Alive! Hello and welcome to The Final Ghost Podcast, where we explore the intersections of horror film and feminism. This is Anna, co-founder of The Final Girls, and your podcast host. Over the next few months, we'll be tracing the lineage of female monsters in horror cinema. In each episode, I'm joined by a special guest to dive deep into a monster movie or two, and in this episode we'll be talking about two 1950s creature features, Curse of the Copper and the Wasp Woman. Yes, there's a whole reptile, insecty vibe going on with both of these. The first one we'll discuss will be the Curse of the Cobra from 1955, where a group of American soldiers witness the secret ritual of the Lamians, a cult of worshippers of women who can change into snakes. When they are discovered, the High Lamian Priestess vows that the Copper Goddess will avenge herself. Once back in the US, a mysterious woman appears in their lives and the soldiers start dying in weird circumstances, one by one. Sounds pretty great, right? She's a snake, lads, she's a killer snake. After all the lady snake stuff, we'll be discussing The Wasp Woman, a Roger Corman-directed film from 1959 and the last film role of actress Susan Cabot. Here she plays an aging cosmetics queen who is transformed into a murderous wasp monster after she uses an insect chemical to preserve her beauty. I'm joined in this episode by Virginie Selevy to discuss both of these weird little films and what makes them so rich with ideas. Virginie, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you very much for asking me. To kick off a conversation around these two 1950s uh, she-creature features, can you talk a little bit about your relationship with horror in general?
1: Horror and, I would say, more specifically, the fantastic genre has always uh, been important for me. Um, that's the, I started reading vampire stories and ghost stories very early on. So for me, it started with literature, uh, really, and and then uh, that expanded into uh, cinema later on.
0: And um, had you seen these two films before?
1: So I'd seen the Wasp Woman, but not Cult of the Cobra. Oh,
0: cool. So. Let's start with Cult of the Cobra. The Cobra Goddess will avenge yourself! One by one you will die! From halfway around the world she had come to make friends with five unsuspecting young men. And when she walked in the night, death followed, swift and violent. Face merg, Richard Long. What was your impression of the film? Well, I
1: find it really interesting. I like that that kind mm. of thing. The all the fifties B movies, and particularly, I'm very interested in the ones that have a female monster. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was great. Thank you for putting me onto this one. Um, yeah, so I find it really interesting. What I like is, I think you know, in in the in at that that uh, time in the 1950s. Um, In American cinema, you have, obviously, you know, all these fantastic um, B-movie, sci-fi, sci-fi B-movies. And what I find interesting about them is that how revealing they are of all the kind of deep fears and anxieties of the uh, post-war period. So you have all kinds of anxieties. Of course, you have the Cold War. But there's also something about women, about the fact, you know, at, at that point, uh, women are becoming uh, increasingly assertive after the Second World War, um, and so there is that anxiety about the role of women, and the the, mm. the uh, and so you have all these dangerously seductive women. So you have them in film noir, but you also have the female uh, monsters in uh, in sci-fi movies. So mm. I find all that very, very interesting. So that's why uh, I enjoyed watching Cult of the Cobra.
0: Yeah, Cult of the it starts off in um in an interesting way because essentially what was interesting to me about the setup of the film of these American soldiers who we see not in a in a position of war but actually just as kind of tourists almost you know they're with their cameras they're taking snapshots of everything they're going to the market they want to go to the you know the the forbidden place to see uh, something a bit more real and a bit raw that they can literally take a picture of. And the whole plot starts up. They get cursed because they sort of disrespect these ancient traditions of the Lamia. What do you make of this idea of the whole film sort of being this revenge story against these tourists for, in a way, blaspheming in in a place of worship?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's another interesting aspect of the film because you, you have the male female thing going on, but you also have the West East or American... Um, east and you, you, there's definitely orientalism going on in this film where the very vague eastern country mm. uh, which is not specified is seen as a place of uh, danger a place of e- exciting stuff happening um, it's exotic it's erotic as well um, with the, the cobra woman um, yeah. but it's dangerous and so you that I think that's really typical of the period and so, so yes, you're right, they're tourists, they're also soldiers, and there's just been mm-hmm. a war. It's not said exactly what it was. Um, of course, you've just had the Korean War, uh, the beginning of the 1950s. It doesn't look like Korea at all. I'm not quite sure what it looks like. It's a bit like India, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very vague and ill-defined kind of uh, East um yeah. and 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 the film is kind of imbued with that fear of the foreign and in particular yeah. particular the eastern foreign, so yeah, so it's interesting in that in that respect as well,
0: yeah, I think at the at the beginning credits, they just say the time is nineteen forty five the place is Asia, that's literally all they say,
1: that's right, yeah, yeah, so Asia, whatever that means, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> yeah, so you do you're not quite
0: sure, yeah. Yeah, they don't really make a big effort about kind of specifying where they're located. It's interesting that, you know, you mentioned kind of this um, this combination of the danger and the exotic. And what do you make of the of the snake goddess, which, you know, is, is the main monster of the film? So she
1: embodies um, all of these things, doesn't she? She's at the same time the dangerous woman. She's dangerous because she's beautiful and seductive. She's dangerous because she's she's foreign, so she represents that danger mm. of of um of the the that eastern threat, whatever it is, very unspecified. Um, and of course, you know, this is taking place during the Cold War, so you could see sort of resonance with that. Um, and also that uh, combination of human and animal uh, mm. with all of the implications that that has. So there is an an Uh, an aspect where it's about um, all of the all of the aspects of the human are not civilized so the animal aspects of us are animal instincts and of course sexual desire but of course that is associated to the woman in this particular case so um, the woman uh, representing all of those sexual urges that are not um, fully controlled or that are sort of uh, threatening to civilization.
0: Mm. It's interesting because that's that's sort of also one of the the key readings of Cat People, which we st- spoke about on the um, on this podcast a few episodes ago. And I was reading about how Cult of the Cobra was being compared to Cat People, which came years before this film. In, in how it kind of equated this idea of a woman transforming into another, into an animal or into a monster as a metaphor for her sexual urges. Do you think Cult of the Copper kind of operates on that same level?
1: Yeah, and it's definitely influenced by uh, cat people. Uh, it's not quite as good, but, <laughs> but you can see the, you know, very, very similar ideas. Yeah. Um, Yes, I think it's that idea, which is you know very prevalent in our culture up until you know the mid-century, mid-twentieth century, of the idea of woman as being more, being less cerebral, being more physical, being more animals mm. than than man. So um, you have this opposition between man and representing civilization, and the woman represents the savage, the foreign, uh, and the animal. Uh, so you definitely have that going on. I think it's is done much more interestingly in in cat people both visually and thematically but but you have all those themes mixing in in cultural cobra as well
0: and what did you think of the filmmaking itself kind of a, of the of the style of it I, I think
1: again it's very very influenced by by cat people with the use of um the shadow of the cobra <laughs> um, so you know, so I like that idea because, of course, that's much better, I think, than than trying to represent a monster, which is mm. you know usually a bit dodgy. Um, <laughs> but you know, so I like the, the idea of the shadow, except that they don't do it quite as um, coherently and and uh, atmospherically as as it's done in in Cat People.
0: No, you're right, and there's this element as well that they they pretty much from the first moment we see Lisa they confirm that she is a woman who can turn into a cobra because we first see the one of the soldiers take away uh, the wicker basket with, with the snake in it, and then we see her sort of scurrying away. Uh, so there is no question about whether she this is all in her head or whether it's a real curse like there is in cat people that always sort of teeters on the edge. Uh, but this is pretty much like, yeah, she will turn into a snake and bite you.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I really like the snake POV shots when the oh, snake yeah. is attacking the soldiers. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: that's that's yeah, that's that's great. That's very funny, uh, to me anyway. Um you know <laughs> that suddenly you see what the snake is seeing. Um yeah. but I guess that's also part of the for me the not entirely coherent direction in that. So mm. now we see the point of view of the snake, but the rest of the film is told entirely from the point of view of the american soldiers so it's it's all a bit you know all a bit yeah <laughs> not fully worked out i think but all all quite interesting really i think the final the final transformation is for me mm. the one that is the most um uh the most effective or the most uh, poetic i guess um mm. that i think that works quite well that final one uh, the way they've done it
0: yeah and and what do you think what do you think it is kind of about women and particularly female monsters being associated with kind of reptilian creatures or with snakes?
1: It's the usual there is a, a sexual element, I guess. slinkiness of the of the snake, the poisonous bite. So you have all all, all those elements I think that, that that and also the fact that the snake is seen as traditionally associated to the other world so again it's that mm. i think that notion of of the, the the female representing uh the other and what is mysterious and not fully understood and also the the darker forces uh in nature
0: let's talk a little bit about kind of lisa who's the titular cobra woman what do you think about faith demargo's performance in this
1: yeah, I think she's uh, she's sultry. She's uh, she's dark enough. Um, I like her. I like her performance. Mm. I think again she could have been given a bit more to uh, play with because as this idea, uh, she's meant to be uh, like Simon Simon in um,
0: yeah.
1: in the Cat People. She's meant to be conflicted. She's meant to be falling in love with with this soldier, and at the same time mm. she's meant to carry on that revenge so she has that moment of doubt and and um and there is a suggestion that maybe what she may do is prefer to die rather than hurt him that's that's what mm. she says at some point in the film basically and then that is not quite what happens it's not quite fulfilled <laughs> and so you think well again that she would be like um a more potent character if she'd been given a bit more of that sort of you know tragic conflict in herself like uh as in cat people.
0: And there's also a certain element of, um, as I was watching it, have you ever seen this video essay called Born Sexy Yesterday?
1: Nope.
0: So it it kind of talks about this trope that's very built into sci-fi movies, where this woman kind of materializes for one plot reason or another. She sort of suddenly comes into existence and she's got superpowers or supernatural or supernatural powers as an alien or a supernatural creature of some sort and is incredibly kind of beautiful in all the you know traditional senses and becomes the romantic interest of the male lead but she also has that thing of she's never pretty much never seen another man so there's this idea of kind of oh she's the perfect woman because she's completely pure and I'm using air quotes here very heavy air quotes she's completely pure because she was like born yesterday but she's also incredibly alluring but doesn't necessarily know that she is so I kept thinking about that um as I was watching the film because it, Lisa kind of has that like you can imagine she's a killer but she her performance is almost as if she's never really interacted with other people and definitely not fallen in love with anyone.
1: Yeah, definitely. She's 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 new to love. What I would say as well is that there's this idea that she may be redeemed by love that mm. there's you know in that in that conversation that they have with with Tom that because she's she's so she's been like that because she's never fallen in love and maybe because she's now in love with him maybe she there was this idea that maybe she could stop being uh, murderous basically mm-hmm. um and and so it's, it's this idea that um love is the thing that may turn a woman from dangerous to domestic basically that may tame her which is an idea that really annoys me in those films by the way but um <laughs> it's, it's something that recurs where love maybe that sort of a uh, civilizing force for the monstrous woman. Yes. Of course, it doesn't happen generally.
0: What do you make kind of, of, of the film's approach to the monstrous woman or to the female monster?
1: Well, I like all those films because a female monster is powerful. So even mm-hmm. though there's an element where those women are represented as dangerous, untrustworthy and the the, the evil force in the film, at the same time, they are seductive and they are very powerful. And that's what I like. So I think there's an element of, um, which is very ambivalent in relation Mm. to those characters where at the same time, they're fascinating. At the same time, they are dangerous and must be neutralized, which is usually what happens at the end of those films, where mm-hmm. the female monster is violently destroyed. But for, the, for most of the film, she's actually been the most interesting character in the film. And there can be in some films, some sympathy for her. I think there is an element of sympathy for, for Lisa. She's not just... Uh, a force of evil there's an element where she's where we can have a bit of sympathy for her because she seems to have known nothing else but that cult
0: Mm. do you think it's a film that's worth revisiting now for contemporary horror fans
1: it depends i guess it's it's for people with special interests (laughs) so (laughs) Either in films of the period or in female <laughs> characters, because I think closed films are really fascinating in, in, in that respect. Mm. Um, I don't think you would watch it for the horror. It's not horrific, I don't mm. think, or um, atmospheric, you know. Mm. Um, so, or atmospheric enough, maybe I should say, because it does have a bit of atmosphere. So, I don't, in terms of the horror, I don't know if it's one to revisit in terms of the themes and the ideas. um, I think it's interesting.
0: I would recommend people watch it mainly for the scene uh, of the Lamia dancing. That was the one that I was like, oh, I thought for a second that maybe they they were going to try to actually put a woman in a snake suit and make that the monster of the film.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely worth watching and that beginning, you know, when she's you see just half of her face and the rest is in mm. the shadow and You know the the sort of nightly scenes after that. I think that's that's that's
0: quite good, but Moving on to the wasp woman from 1959
1: Supposing a more powerful form of royal jelly could be obtained from the queen wasp, for example
0: Socially the queen wasp is on level with a black widow spider Oh, no, 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 no. There might be danger.
1: Those are my terms, Mr. Fisher. Janice Starlin will be your next guinea
0: A woman of fantastic desires. Sponsoring a scientist with fantastic theories and demanding fantastic results. How old do I look? Tell me. How old? 23. This was also. I found it quite funny that the alternative titles for the film were the Bee Girl or the Insect Woman. Well, it's a Roger Corman made film, uh, so this is the one that you had seen before. Yeah. What was your initial take on it, and and has that changed over the years? That's
1: one that I really like. Uh, the Wasp Woman again, not really for the horror, I have to say, mm-hmm. but for the for the character and the themes, in in terms of the way the female monster is dealt with, I think it's a more interesting one than uh, Cult of the Cobra. Can you
0: expand on that?
1: Uh, yeah, because I think it's it's interesting that you have an, a sort of aging, older uh, female character mm. that she's actually, she's successful. She's a successful businesswoman. So she's she has traded on her beauty, but mm. it, it, she's also... Uh, She's also a smart woman, um, and she's capable of, of leading a company. So, so I like that, the fact that she's, this is a movie about a 40-year-old woman who's the head mm-hmm. of a company, um, and, and then we see the, the sort of pressures that she's under, and in particular, I like the sort of the, the, her relationship with the executive board, which is, of course, yeah. all male. So I think there are things that are really quite resonant. Uh, so I like that uh, the fact that she's pushed into into experimenting on herself because the even though the company has done well thanks to her, it's so all based on her. Mm-hmm. She's now being blamed for um, the uh, less successful uh, time they're having because she's aged. Um, and so, so uh, yeah, I, I like that.
0: Oh yeah, I've I that was the scene that really struck me. The scene where her executives are literally showing her a chart and blaming her, saying that this company was built on the fact that she was the face of the company, and now people, the public, their consumers, were being lied to because they didn't want to see the face of an of a woman aging. Yeah, uh, and have them sell her sell them beauty products that scene is devastating
1: yeah yeah it is absolutely i think it's more devastating than the horror in this Mm. (laughs) so i think that's a really interesting character you know to have in a film like that
0: absolutely and it also sort of um it also sort of works in a way as a mad scientist movie, in many ways, because even though she's not the one who's actually the the scientist character in this, she teams up with someone else, this kind of idea of of an innovator, or a very successful personality, who's pushed into a corner, and they have to experiment on themselves, and they become the victim of their own ambition, so to speak. Usually it's it's only male characters that I've seen in sci-fi or horror movies, and how do you think this how do you think the was woman kind of plays around with this idea that's
1: really interesting because if i remember correctly she has this idea about using royal jelly mm. and she's dismissed and then she meets a scientist who's mm-hmm. uh has been working on 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 the on the rejuvenating ser- serum based on the on royal jelly uh, so i think it's it's also about Yes, you're right. It is about the mad scientist, but it's it's a really interesting setup because she's both. She's, it's a bit like The Fly, isn't it? Where it's like yeah. she's she has the idea and she's also the the test subject basically. But this is to happen via a male inter- intermediary. But yes, if I remember correctly, she has the idea initially, and so it's as as much about the mad scientist as it is about the fact that. She has a good idea, even though obviously it has really bad consequences, but um, she's constantly dismissed and undermined uh, by, by all the men around her.
0: We sort of talked in circles around her, but what do you think kind of about Janice, the protagonist, who's played here by Susan Cabon? Because we meet her as a successful uh, 40-something woman, but she's been pushed out, and then once she goes into this journey, she sort of has a... A fall from grace into villainy, in a way.
1: Yeah, I like the fact that she's a villain. i I'd, I actually enjoy that. <laughs> I, Me because, too, because I think there's an element that is actually quite, um, quite gratifying in a way, quite um, enjoyable. In the fact that it's revenge, because precisely because of the situation that she's in, because she's in this all male world, mm-hmm. um, what happens when she, um. Uh, transforms into a wasp it's as much about aging and about sort of looking younger as it is about the pent-up aggression of a woman who's constantly constantly being put down by men around her so so i i like the fact that then she's not that pleasant and um Mm. yeah so yeah i enjoy that
0: and where is this um are you a fan of roger corman movies in general yeah and where does this kind of sit within his work because it's interesting that it's a you know it's a, it's a 1950s kind of B movie but it is an independent production and he is an icon of the genre in many ways
1: so i think it's quite interesting because um Corman has has had an interest in strong female characters throughout his career and i think you can see that from the very uh, beginning of his of his career in his films and then later on in the films that he produced so he had like around the, just before the um, the Wasp Woman, he had a couple of westerns with with central female characters. He made a great witch film, The Undead, uh, in 1957, with, with a fabulous um, uh, female character in that. And of course later on, Bloody Mama with Shelley Winters mm. as a as a matriarchal leader of a criminal gang. So he has an interest in his own work, and then in the work that he did as a producer. Films like, for instance, The Big Bird Cage uh, in 72 with Pam Goyer, who's fantastic and charismatic and all action woman and and, uh, revolutionary as well. Um, But he also produced the work of two female filmmakers, uh, Stephanie Rothman and Barbara Peters. Which again, those some of those films have got uh, fantastic female characters. So you have a female vampire in *Velvet Vampire* by Rothman, and um, the female leader of a biker gang in *Bury Me an Angel*. So, uh, so I think it fits with that. But uh, connected to that, he's also got throughout his career this interest in rebel characters, mm-hmm. and. Um, And the rebel characters can be criminals, and there's a connection between crime and rebellion. And it's all about the idea of breaking the law, of going against the rules. And Mm -hmm. I think it's that he has that sort of anti-authoritarian streak from the very beginning. And he's aware already in the 1950s, he has this awareness of social injustices. So you have those things going on in his films, as well as, of course, the exploitation aspect. And that's why I would say that his entire cinema can be defined as sort of belonging to or made in a countercultural spirit, in the sense that he uh, makes or produces fictions that offer counter-discourses to the discourse of the dominant social group. And that, I think, very much applies to the wasp woman, because... Women, obviously, uh, at that point, are still very much the domi- dominated group in a patriarchal society. So if you have a, a, a strong woman who's a rebel figure, that completely fits in with all of his uh, themes of interest, as well as, again, of course, the exploitation aspect. And so the worst woman can be seen in that context. You have that mix of exploitation of sort of horrific thrills and a strong female character who questions the existing order, uh, in that case, the patriarchal and capitalist order. So there's also a really interesting film made the same year uh, by Universal um, called The Leech Woman, which has a similar theme to The Wasp Woman. Um, It's about aging and it's about the harsh realities um, of male and female relationships. The fact that men are only interested in young women uh, and the length to which uh desperate women will go to to retain their youth. Um, and in that film, again, even though uh, the characters are um well very flawed, um, there, is, there is some sympathy for that central female character and, and what she's prepared to do. Uh, and it's it's she's not uh, blamed or not blamed entirely for it, but rather the um the the sort of um the responsibility is definitely I've seen as also the, the man's responsibility.
0: And what do you make of Susan Cabot's performance? I mean, this is the last film that she, I believe this is the last film that she did with him um, and potentially even her last film ever. I think it is her last film ever.
1: I think it's one of the last two. If it, It's either the last one or one of the last two that she made uh, in yeah, film. So she-
0: yeah yeah she did two films in nineteen fifty nine and um i guess this this is one of those yeah um and then she did some t v later on but film yeah that's I think right the last one what did you make of her?
1: I think she's great you see again, I find her like quite a strong performer um mm-hmm. and the fact that she's at the end of her film career as well um gives the um the film, the role, uh, quite a lot of, um, of 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 resonance and evocative power, I guess, because she she you know she's playing an actress at the end of her career.
0: Mm. And what about kind of the monstrous elements of of the wasp woman? We don't really get to see her really transform into the creature that much, do we?
1: No, I I, I think really the special effects are are, are terrible in that <laughs> film I have to say. But they they're quite endearing at the same time. So <laughs> so yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's also kind of um interesting that we only see her as the wasp woman uh in the shadows as well. So we just see the silhouette. Yeah. And and it's it's slightly ridiculous too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, uh, The 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 horror part of this is really quite rubbish, but um <laughs> but the ideas are good. So there you go. <laughs>
0: And because a lot of it is set sort of in this uh, in this beauty business and this corporation. What do you think are some of the ideas that it surfaces around uh, corporate America, or you know, corporate anywhere?
1: Yeah, so there is that that aspect of it, the sort of capitalist industry versus the person who actually has the talent and has the the thing that they can sell, and yet within her own company she is she's sort of um dismissed and um and and treated not very well by the people making money from her so yeah i mean again i think that fits within that whole common um frame of mind um with that you know that sort of look at society and look at who has the power and that sort of desire to undermine um the the the, the dominant power uh, in american society so yeah i think you could you could you could look at it from that angle as well.
0: We've both spoken about the fact that the effects are a little bit rubbish, but do you think this is a film that's worth revisiting now?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's got it's got things that may surprise viewers um, in there. Uh, uh, yeah, I I think definitely.
0: What do you think would be the most surprising thing about it for contemporary fans? I think the
1: the the themes, the this female character who's, you know, even now you don't have that many um, ageing uh, women in film, so it's getting better, but it's fairly recent that you mm-hmm. have more roles for. I mean, obviously Susan Cabot is not that old at that point, but <laughs> what I mean is that you know that, that sort of focus on the on an on an older woman, I think is quite is quite interesting to see that in the film of that time.
0: Thank you so much for, for your time and, and for your insight on both the films. Uh, where can people find out more about your work?
1: The best thing is probably to go to my website, which is Femina Widdens. So it's F-E-M-I-N-A-R-I-D-E-N-S
0: dot com. Cool. Thank you so much, Fersheni. Thank you very much. And that's it for another episode of the Final Girls podcast. Please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and you can subscribe to our feed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about what we do on TheFinalGhost.co.uk and follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at UK. You can also follow Virginie on Twitter at virginie, and I tweet a lot of cat pictures and Hannibal memes at AnnaBeDemented. Thank you for listening and join us next week for a discussion on two Hammer Horror Classics.